Welcome to the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast, powered by Kevin Grogan Soccer, Soccer Coffee and much more. Hi everyone, so we're delighted to have the Behan brothers on the show this week, Joe and Mick Behan. They are the authors of the great poetry book, Waiting for Yadot. Absolutely fantastic read, very interesting guys, grew up in Dublin in Ring's End. Uh, soccer fanatics really intelligent guys tell great stories and we really look forward to this show joe and mick behan the hairdryer treatment podcast is proudly sponsored by rezzle rezzle is the market leading academically validated vr training and cognitive development tool for elite football and is already installed at world leading clubs rezzle.com joe welcome to the show how are you i'm good kevin how's it going very good. So we're just waiting for your brother to come in as well. We're delighted to have him as well. So we'll wait for him for a few minutes. But while we're waiting, Joe, how was your Christmas? It was great. Um, myself, Missy, my wife, and her uh, mom and partner, we had a nice, quiet Christmas, a uh, nice dinner, good laugh, quiet. And yours? Good, good. Yeah, very quiet. Stayed in New York this year, obviously, with the, the pandemic, which has been crazy, but very quiet Christmas, but um, yeah, very nice. Yeah, I'm here in Florida. I, I moved to Florida just over a year ago. I'm living in Naples, so I hear you on the pandemic. It's it's crazy in New York, uh, and it's just as crazy here, uh, but a little bit different. Um, bit of a ghost town in New York. Here in Naples, we're, we're getting on. In Florida, we're getting on with stuff and lots of events going on and soccer and so, you know, it's a different world almost, you know? Yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of different things happening all around America. Some places are locked down more than others. Um, is there light at the end of the tunnel, Joe, with this vaccine? Has to be. Vaccines are out. Um, that's the big light right there. And then we just have to keep an eye on that as we move along. Um, definitely has to be light at the end of the tunnel. We have to think that way, don't we? Yeah, we have to stay positive. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a tough time for a lot of people. And uh, I think we just have to stay positive and hope that we can kind of get through it. Yeah, no doubt. Still have to keep practicing uh, social distance. Absolutely. Follow the rules. Absolutely. Now, what about the Premiership, Joe, while we're waiting here? Um, you know, what do you think? How's it going? Who do you think will win? Yeah, I had a feeling you might ask about that. Uh, I, I just fancied Liverpool from the very start and they're beginning to they're beginning to slip away a little bit. Not much. It's still very open with a bunch of teams united in the mix at the moment. Uh, as far as the table goes and, uh, you know, standings, but as far as form and consistency, still a little bit worried about them. Uh, Liverpool team to beat, I think. I think City can start to sneak in a little bit and close the gap. Um, and you, you can't write off the likes of Leicester. Um, but He's good, Rogers, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, not afraid to play football. Tell me this, Joe, Manchester United, it's crazy. They're, they're, they're right up there in the mix, but they're very inconsistent. If they could just get a string at three or four games in a row, um, you know, but where do you stand with them? Are they way off it or are they, do you think they actually have a chance? 
I've watched them now a, a few times enough to get a handle on some of the concerns. I haven't watched every game, and but there are times in the game when they're doing well, and what they lack is the what they lack. I think a lot is the ability to know when to keep the ball. I mean, you can knock a ball sure. around and it looks good and stuff like that, but there are key moments in a game where you should. You don't have to do it, but you should do it. It's probably the best strategy. And I don't think that that's in their game just yet. The ability to send a message over to the opponents to say, listen, you're beaten. We can go down and knock one in on you any time, but we're keeping the ball right now because this game's over. And it's a, it's, it's a kind of a dominating kind of a message to the opponent. And it, 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 it is connected to killer instinct, but I don't think United have that just yet. Uh, the, the, to know when to keep the ball, um, number one. And then number two, the idea of blaming this player, that player and Ole at this point uh, Ole's responsible for that strategy, but there's always three or four players in the team, all levels, who know when to do that sure. and set that tone. And I don't think United have that yet. And I think that's the reason why they're out of the Champions League. I mean, in the Champions League, that's all they had to do, really, uh, when they were home yeah. and dry with a couple of games. And they just couldn't do it, you know? Yeah, it's very interesting. So Mick was actually just on there. Yeah. And then he left. And here he comes again. Mick, <laughs> welcome to the show. How are you? Kevin... Nice to see you, talk to you. How are you? Very good. You were on and then we lost you. Now you're back on, so it's all good. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Now, where are you, Mick? You're in Dublin at the moment? I'm in Ring's End in Dublin, yes. Very good. Very good. So we were just having a bit of a chat about the Premiership. So what are your thoughts there in terms of uh, where the Premiership is at? Are Liverpool still the strongest team? Do United have a realistic chance? I think the Premiership this year is a bit sort of up and down. Liverpool definitely will be there or thereabouts. United, being a United fan, I'm hoping they can challenge them. But it's a very different Premiership this year. The results are they're very funny. City are not doing what they should be doing in the last couple of years. But I'm hoping United can certainly finish top four and perhaps challenge Liverpool. I think Liverpool are the team still to beat. Yeah, I'd agree. It's very erratic. I do agree with you. It's points are getting picked up and dropped everywhere, which makes it good watching. I still think United are a bit inconsistent, and I agree with you. Liverpool are probably the team to beat. Um, guys, I want to congratulate you on your new book, Waiting for Yados, a poetry book. I really enjoyed reading it over Christmas. Um, a lot of my friends... I've gone on to Amazon and bought it and really enjoyed it. So, Mick, why don't you start? How did this all come about? Well, over the years, the last number of years, myself and Joe, we, we've always written a few bits and pieces here and there, particularly Joe. And uh, we've always had a passion for writing. And uh, myself, over a number of years, I've written a few little things for friends of mine here and there and a couple of articles and various issues. Um, but... We decided there, uh, I suppose, at the start of the year when the, uh, the pandemic set in, that we try and concentrate on doing some piece of concrete work uh, in regards to perhaps a couple of books. And the poetry really um, came out of the blue to a certain extent. And um, we, we just said, we write about uh, technology and science and obviously COVID-related matters. And um, in the middle of the, of the work, you know, the actual epic poem, Yaddo, 
sort of developed itself in some ways. And we just took it day by day, week by week, and compiled a number of number of poems and put them together, edited them, and we said, look, we'll, we'll stick it up and see what happens. Yeah, it's been great. Now, Joe, um, it sounds like the pandemic was a bit of an inspiration to kind of get this going. You obviously have a big writing background, but is that true? Was the pandemic kind of inspiration for you guys to get going with this? Definitely. Um, you couldn't help but avoid uh, writing about it. And we started out with, as Mick said, with some t- uh, poems on technology and how it is, is affecting us, uh, the entire race, actually, the entire world. But um, as we uh, began to write about technology and its themes such as you know medicine and uh, artificial intelligence and and space exploration and all that stuff you know we we began to realize that you know it's very much connected to uh the pandemic in that many many of us spent a lot of our time at home online um sending music writing having fun online and so without a doubt it just couldn't be ignored and then you know we would be writing maybe one or two poems and you, you, the pandemic would just fit right in there, whether by yeah, intention or accident. And so it just became a huge theme in our, in our poetry, um, very much so. But, you know, one of the big themes in the poetry is the, the, the act of coming together as a, uh, you know, as a group, uh, as a, um, you know, as a human race, trying to get things done and stuff like that. And certainly is the case with this pandemic. So it became a big team, you know. In terms of the process then, uh, Mick, was it a case of you you collaborated on each poem or you wrote individual poems and then you kind of brought it, brought it together and brainstormed? How did the process work? Well, the process was fairly simple. Um, I'd write my poetry from this end and Ring's end. Uh, Joe would do his bits and pieces and we'd just send them over to each other whenever they were written on a weekly or whatever basis, and we'd have a look at them. And it was just like a collection of poems about different topics, as Joe said. And when we got enough done, say, um, we decided then we'd break it into sections. So obviously one section deals with technology and science and the medical problems that we face today. And obviously one is based on COVID. And then we have another final section on what we call tomorrow. It's about life in general that is on all our doorsteps. But, um, you know, so we didn't sort of say, I'll do one. You, if I wanted to do five poems in a week, I would do it and send them to Joe. Let him have a look at them. See what he thinks. Right, we'll put them to one side. Joe would send his. I'd put them to one side. And then when it was all done, we just collaborated together and split them into the relevant sections. Yeah, well, the process definitely worked. Now, I was really interested on the kind of the, the stuff about the tech and the science, and we've come so far, you know. Joe, how far have we come? I mean, you know, if you if you talk about back in the day and, and different things when we didn't have the, the internet and technologies, even today now we're doing this podcast where we have one person in New York, one person in Dublin, one person in Florida, and we're able to do that. How far have we come with technology and how important has that been in our lives and particularly during the pandemic? Um, well, during, during the pandemic and before, it is def- certainly bringing, a, you know, it's a global uh, concept, isn't it? Um, but um, we're, we're very, very early in our early stages of technology, particularly the internet uh, and this kind of world. 
very, very early stages, but it's just, there's no stopping it. I mean, for example, I was just there looking at some of the stuff there as we prepared for this a little bit with, with, from your end and, and your company that you have where it's, um, you know, virtual soccer. And I was just thinking, you know, it's a prime example of technology being used, uh, Rezzle, with, with your company Rezzle and Rezeal, you know, um, people pronounce it differently, obviously, but it's a prime... Tomato, tomato. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's a prime example of, of, of how far technology is, is coming. We're going from actually playing a game to having a, 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 an experience, not even on a pitch, and through technology and vision and all kinds of, uh, you know, apparatuses, we're, we're able to get a great experience actually outside of playing in that particular uh, concept you guys have. But how far have we come? Um, what, what is a concern is, is, you know, how far are we going to go? Um, we've come extremely far, but we just got to keep a little bit better control on it, I think, from, you know, everyday use. I mean, we're obsessed with our phones. I mean, totally. And yet at the same time, without these phones right now, we wouldn't be doing this. Um, it's an addiction, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. It, it, you know, in, in one of the poems, it talks about it being a magic wand. I mean, I can go anywhere, anytime, uh, and anything I need to know, I just have to Google it. <laughs> you know, anything, I, I, any knowledge I need to know, I can just go on the phone and find it. Um, so it, 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 well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Uh, Facebook, you know, great communities out there. Um, the, the, the poems are very much about uh, online, the internet, artificial intelligence, um, and I think that in many ways, having it during a pandemic pretty much, you know, saved us quite a lot. So, you know, it's for some people, it's a negative, but there's just no stopping it. This online and, you know, um, overuse, but it is, it, it is who we've become now. You know, we had the industrial revolution. We had all kinds of stone age. Now we've got technology. Now it's like, this is it. This is who we are. And that's it. You got to go with it. You know, you got to. You got to take it along, and you got to take advantage of it. But it's a blessing in many ways. I mean, Mick, uh, you know, from your point of view, writing this book and talking about the technology and and things of that nature, how would we have dealt with a pandemic without the technology? I mean, obviously, there was many things before this, the Spanish flu and different things like that. How how do you think, if you were to look back on that, how do you think people of that time would have been able to deal with things without the technology? And how lucky are we to have it? It, well, it's, I think it's a, that's a difficult question, really. Bear in mind the people uh, in the past, particularly the Spanish flu, where I think around 50 million may have died worldwide. Uh, yeah. there, there was certainly no technology then. But perhaps if there was technology then, that maybe as many might not have died. So there's no doubt that it, it has advantages Absolutely no doubt about it. But in regards to technology as a whole, you know, in regards to, for example, like the space race beginning in 58 and still going today to a certain extent, you know, that, that's in my mind, that really is a waste of money that could be put to better use. Because we... Did they, land on the moon, Did they actually land on the moon? There's a lot of conspiracy theories. Well, you can... Read into conspiracy theories and all that, you know, and did, did the American flag, it, it didn't unfurl, you know, in, on the moon, for example, <laughs> you know. So yeah. we all know that. I think there's no doubt they probably did. Uh, but even if they did or didn't, the amount of money that it cost to get there at that time, you know, could have been better spent on the people who live on this planet, 
I mean, who really cares if people walked on the moon? I don't. <laughs> it's very interesting, yeah. No, I, I honestly, I don't, you know, and, you know, going to visit Mars, see if there's life there. People don't understand. There's no life on Mars. What they mean by life, and it sort of um, it takes over people's mind, there could be life on Mars. There's no life on Mars. What might be on Mars is a, a droplet of water which can give life to an insect at the very, very best. There's no uh, aliens walking around Mars or any other planet in their galaxy. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? And how how much people are into it, the conspiracy theories, and, and you know, we'll probably never, ever know. Now, you guys grew up in an amazing part of Dublin, Ring's End. Joe, we've had many chats about kind of your upbringing and the area. Um, lots of fantastically talented soccer players came from that area. What was it like growing up there as brothers? Will I yet? Go on. Yeah, um, Go. yeah, Ring's End, um, to me, growing up uh, in Ring's End as uh, brothers, um, well, there were five, five brothers, four sisters in the family. Um, but I remember uh, playing particularly playing uh, football with Mick in what we call the swings, a playground uh, in our area. And I remember playing uh, alongside a couple of really good players, the likes of Liam O'Brien, X-Man U, Irish International, Rocky O'Brien, Bose, Sligo, Paul O'Brien, great junior name in, in the game, Cherry Orchard, Usher, great manager. So we had a really, really good side and, we had a fella called Gerard Crilly who was amazing on concrete. So that was one of my uh, fond memories of, of, of growing up with Mick and, and being able to hold our own with almost anybody. Um, all the visiting neighbourhoods would come in and give us a game. Pier Street, Liffey based team uh, and others and other teams. Um, Rings End, um, Irish Town. So we had, t- we had teams, you know, from around come in and play us and... Um, so great memories of, of, of um, games there growing up, playing alongside Mick. Uh, and then obviously I played with a few teams with him. Uh, you know, uh, and I think one time when we were kind of floating a little bit, we weren't really dedicated to any, any one particular team. I think we were going around and playing for different teams all around the place, from Lansdowne to St. Mark's to, to Railway to even St. Brendan's in League of Ireland when Mick Dalton picked us up one morning. We were out having a few beers. A little bit older, obviously, and t- Digger calls to the door. Mick Dalton, famous name, football character, uh, gives us a shout. We're in bed to come out and try and help us uh, playing a game. And myself and Mick are grabbing like a-, a pork chop from the night before that we didn't have. We're supposed to have for our dinner out on the terror, I think. And uh, sure enough, we travelled with Mick uh, and helped him out in the game. But um, great memories surrounded surrounded by uh, playing football alongside Mick. Um, you know, uh, but he went on to play with um, in, in Leicester Senior. I stayed in junior football, but just, just, just in general, just being street smart, uh, out in the streets, um, you know, playing for Cambridge boys, a huge. Mick was obviously two year, two years younger than me, so he would have played with a really good side, and played longer for Cambridge. That was kind of like the stable in Rings End, where all the great players came from, um, hanging around. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, in the playgrounds. And I became kind of street smart. Mick went on to do his leaving. So at that point, you know, he started to socialise a little bit away from the streets, studying a lot. 
um, a fair amount. And uh, so, yeah, but it was great, though, you know, very protective of, of each other. You had to be, you know, growing up in, uh, on the streets, you know. Mick, did I just hear nine in the family? Was there nine people? Yeah, there was, um, well, obviously myself, four brothers and four sisters. And uh, that wouldn't be uncommon. Um, even in the Penrose Street. Penrose Street was only one street in South Knotts Road, if you like, an extension of the Ringsend Village type of thing, you know. And nine in the family wouldn't be uncommon. Um, some families could have had 12 or 14. Some might have had seven or eight. So there was no shortage of company. Uh, but certainly Ringsend. Absolutely. I couldn't have wished for a better place to have been brought up in and brought up well. And there was plenty to do. And no doubt about it that soccer took centre stage. There was plenty to do in the winter, in the summer. Um, a bit of conniving here and there. Uh, nothing major, but uh, certainly soccer was centre stage. And rings end. You couldn't wish for a better place. Of course, that's only an opinion. I'm sure people in other parts of Dublin would say the same. Like the liberties and all, and which is true. But... As far as I was concerned, and certainly Joe, I would imagine, is uh, absolutely uh, a fantastic. Great, great neighbours, made great friends, still great friends today. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have wished for better. Mick, why, why was there so much talent there soccer-wise? Because I've over the years, you know, through my own kind of adventures, I've, I keep hearing about all these great players from Rings End. Liam O'Brien being one who I know very well. What, what was it? Was it was there something in the water or was it just that you were all out playing all the time? Well, we played from morning to night. And in the swings, as Joe said, the swings was a playground in South Lots Road. And as, as you look into it, on the left-hand side of the swings of the playground was, for example, the, the seesaw, the roundabout, the spider's web. And on the right-hand side was a hockey pitch. And I remember well, and so does Joe, every Sunday morning, we go down there as young lads and there'd be games of hockey being played. And it was a great spectacle, great colours. And the men would fly around on the roller skates and they'd be pushing themselves. It was all enclosed, of course. And that was the hockey pitch. And every Sunday, and we all in the area played soccer, mostly on the hockey pitch. As I say, it was an enclosed area surrounded by a concrete wall. And we were able to use the wall to beat a player. So visiting teams, for example, from Pier Street and Stella Gardens and anywhere else, they, they couldn't manage us because we grew up with it from a very, very early age. So we were practically unbeatable in it. It was very funny. But at the end of the day, was the good players that came out of rings and certainly you had to have talent. The likes of Liam O'Brien and Jacka McDonough and many, many others. But they would have learned the technique, I believe, in the hockey pitch. Because you had to be able to control the ball and use to your advantage things that other people didn't know. So, for example, trying to beat a player and using the wall. That's what we did. But in later life, we were able to use you know, one of our playing mates on the pitch to use it as a type of wall to get by a player so you didn't have to beat a player dribbling you could beat him with a pass and that's why one of the reasons I think why a lot of 
really great players came out of South Lots Stroke Rings End. Uh, also, yeah, that's amazing. Also, also Kevin, Go on, Joe. Um, there's also a huge tradition in Rings End. Remember, Rings End is, is on the daughter, and on the daughter is Lansdowne Road, Aviva now. And just not too far from there were the main offices for, for, the, for soccer, for football in, in, in Ireland. And at Rings End, you know, is a place where the likes of Shamrock Rovers and Shelbourne started. Uh, they were founded in, these, in this area. So there's a huge tradition. And we're going back over 100, you know, over 100 years here, uh, close to 100 years here. We're going back really uh, uh, into um, the, the roots of football. Which with Rovers and Shells, two huge teams. My father played for Rovers, and then also in Rings End, you had a huge amount of players coming from Cambridge boys, um, and coming from Pat C Y, coming from Liffey's who played in Rings End. So you you had a lot of great players who who didn't make it, still smashing players, but a great tradition in in, in the in the area, uh, and it's been you know constantly pulled through to our times right now. CY right now, run by the Healy's. You know, Liffey's have a great leader in John Young. And they've, they've held their own against top teams in, in the professional league. So the tra- tradition is there. The roots are there. And that's another big reason why soccer has continued um, in Ring's End. And there was a spell where there was a lack of teams, but Cambridge is back on the map. Liffey's are back on the map. CY have never really gone away. Uh, St. Pat's CY so the tradition continues and yeah you're right about talent has to have there has to be an element of talent but I remember growing up in Rings End and yeah a great place to grow up soccer football in every corner football in every flat football in every green patch on the concrete you name it the lampposts were goals as well so great upbringing on the uh, you know with, as far as soccer was concerned yeah, it's interesting what Mick said there because, you know, we have a lot of listeners on this show that are coaches and parents and players. And one thing we always talk about is get out in the streets and play street soccer. And it's just a lost art, really. Not a, not a, enough of it happens anymore. But from what you're saying there, Mick, obviously a lot of these players learned a lot of their technical ability playing on the streets, which is great. Now, I, I want to talk briefly about uh, your mom, who was 93 years of age. It's an amazing age. Joe, you've talked to me about your mom before. Seems like an amazing person. Um, how is she doing, Mick? Oh, she's doing very well. Uh, she's well, well settled now. She's uh, a resident now in the Aylesbury Nursing Home. And uh, she's very comfortable, very fit, has a little bit of dementia, but she's in great form. I haven't seen her myself now for a few weeks. Um, a couple of the sisters tend to go up. Well, there's restrictions on visiting anyway at the, in this day and age. Sure. So uh, I have to be a little bit careful my end. And um, But yeah, she's in, in very good form, uh, very healthy, eating, eating her dinners well and getting around in our little Zimmer frame. And uh, when the girls do pop up to see her, say, once a week, for example... They'd report back and uh, she's in great form. And so can't complain about it. She's very happy. Amazing, Joe, isn't it? 93 years of age, going strong. Um, I remember asking her uh, not, not that long ago about, you know, what did she think the secret was to longevity? Obviously, you know, uh, anyone in the medical profession or doctors will tell you genes and, you know, moderation, no smoking, no drinking, etc. But she's, she's had a, c- a cigarette. She's had a drink. But I remember asking her about, you know, what's the secret? And she, 
she she claimed that you know eating eating your uh, three square meals a day uh, and nothing in between uh, keeping active and your attitude and outlook towards life was a big one that she believed in um, and she certainly was active all her life uh, nine children running around after nine children um, I, just th- I think she had a great outlook you'd never catch her indoors she was always out and on the go playing bowls in her variety club and I think that she tried to live her life to the fullest and I think that has you know been a big part of our longevity you know Wow an inspiration yeah. to us all um, so going back to the book we talked a bit about the tech and the science bit and then there's there is a kind of piece moving on to kind of tomorrow, the future. So talk to me a bit about that, Mick. I mean, that's very important that we kind of have a, an optimistic outlook to the future and where we're going through this time. Where was the inspiration for that? Well, the inspiration for the tomorrow section, really 90% of that was Joe. And it was just something that, it, that came to the fore towards the end before we decided to, um, if you like, publish the book. And we didn't have that in mind. And I suggested this to Joe, and I, I felt that a lot of his poems were gave a little bit of hope, talked about nature and things like that. And that's on our, all our doorsteps. It's there. It's always been there and never went away. I remember walking there, trying to do a little walk during covid and I was walking, I wrote a poem about it, and I walked through the park in Ring's End, and there was nobody in the park except a furry little friend of mine, a squirrel. And I'd seen him many a time at the same tree. And six months earlier, there could have been a hundred people walking around or kids kicking a football. There was nobody there. But so nature, it was it was lovely to see it and experience it. Uh, it's something that you wouldn't see normally with crowds around because the animals wouldn't come out. So Joe wrote about, if you like, nature, the lakes and various things. And I thought that was a good way to sort of wrap up, if you like, uh, the, the work of poetry. So I suggested that to Joe. And so I'll ask Joe to comment on that, actually, because he'd know a bit more about that. Yeah, um, very much so. Uh, the idea of the tomorrow section is... When you look at the, the first three sections, it's, it's kind of like... The idea is that everybody is waiting on Yadot. Everybody, the, the title is waiting uh, for Yadot, and everybody is waiting for him. When you read the poetry, you see that. But uh, even, even in, in the future, there's always hope that something will be there or that can inspire us or get us out of this hole that we're in, this pandemic. And nature is one of the things that can indeed um, help us there. Uh, so I was living in a in a rental uh, in an apartment, and um, and there, it was a lake nearby. And I'd look over at it, and there was all kinds of activity going on with it. And it was almost like an, an escape, if you know what I mean. Um, you, you know, from the pandemic, from all the craziness that was going on. I, I was fed up watching the news. The news was driving me crazy. So I'd sit down, and I was doing a little bit of um, studying to. to uh, to uh, help with me find a job. I was uh, preparing for a course and every now and then I'd take a break and I'd sit down near the lake and I'd look out into it and see all this activity going on. And in many ways, as I said, it was like an escape and the idea of being able to find something that you can enjoy and, and watch 
with a certain amount of, of, of happiness, if you like. Uh, and nature was that. Nature was exactly that. You know, the lake, everything that went on with it. So that was the inspiration there. Basically, you know, uh, writing about uh, the freedom involved with, you know, what you see with birds and fish and even people fishing around the lake and enjoying the, the scenery and just a great setting. So it's always there. And uh, it's, 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 it'll be there tomorrow, you know. So, yeah. So, Talk, talk to me about the name. What, what does the name mean? Well, the, the name waiting for, the name waiting for, um, for Yados stems from a, um, from, a, from a visit by the, this character, this ghost-like character called Yados, right? And in the visit to Mick, uh, it, it speaks in a uh, different tongue. Uh, but if you reverse what it says, the message is actually living for today. So, and that's a big part of, of what we try to do. We try to bring it down to earth a little bit, even though it's out there at times. It can get a bit weird at times. You'll see when you, when you take a look at it. There's even illustrations in there. But for the most of it, it's the idea of trying to live for the day, for the day that's in it. Uh, and not getting carried away with all this crazy stuff, um, you know, uh, that can go on. Um, although there's no avoiding the, the, this pandemic, there's no avoiding the crazy stuff, but that brings some sense, try and live for the day. And that's a big message in it. And you'll see that if you go over it again, the, 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 poet, the poems, you'll see it where when the, when the ghost says, Yado, rough evil, if you look at that saying, the reverse of that saying is live for the day. So the name comes from, Yado comes from that saying. And then waiting for, for Yados, you know, we're still waiting for, for Yado. We're still waiting for something to, 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 to if, if you like, to bring us together uh, during these times. And the idea of being aware uh, and, and having a consciousness about this is, is what we're trying to chat about and write about. And so the name came from, obviously, you've heard of Waiting for Godot. So we knew that that was close. And, you know, with, with the name that we have, Behan, you know, we thought we'd have a bit of fun naming it wait, Waiting for, for uh, uh, Yadot um, with that. But for the most of it, it stems from, um, from um, you know, the idea of that the waiting for, everybody's waiting for him. And then the, the name Yadot stems from Mick playing around with um, li, uh, live, for, live for Today. The great yeah. message, Live for Today. The front cover is fantastic, Mick. Um, was that your artwork or Joe's? I know Joe is a handy artist as well. Oh, the front cover, yeah. That, that's Joe's handy artwork, all right. And he was throwing it in as we were writing the poems here and there. And... Um, I thought they were. I thought they were magnificent, and I, I, I think initially Joe wasn't a hundred percent sure, but uh, I said no, no, I like it. It sort of gives that, if you like, animated look to it, because, uh, like as Joe said there, initially just going back to the name Yado as I call him, but Yados whatever, um, uh, at the very very start of the epic, the ghost visits Mick. Mick is very concerned about. Um, like world and inept leaders. And he's looking for advice through his consciousness. And when the ghost appears, he gives Mick the advice initially, and it's Yado rough evil, uh, which becomes clear at the very, very end. So the ghost actually takes over the name Yado, 
And uh, so Joe kept continuing doing little cartoons as we went along. And I just thought they suited the work perfectly. Yeah, I, th- I think it's brilliant. The front cover is absolutely brilliant. And I, I've seen you guys on Instagram and it, it looks really, really good. So, guys, you've had a, a great run at it so far. You've you've been voted, I think you were in the, the top three poetry books on Amazon. You might have even hit number one for new poetry books, which is fun. How, how are you dealing with the fame? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll hand that over to you. Um, it's been... Um... It's been really a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Um, we're having a good laugh behind the scenes, uh, and um, you know you, you do get to uh, get to the top percentage when 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 uh, you know you sell you sell a few if you like, but you, you you rapidly fall from grace as well when it goes quiet. So yeah, you get your moments. Your moments of fame, Kevin. For some, it can last a lifetime. For others, it's you know the fifteen minutes of fame. This is fifteen seconds. <laughs> But yeah, but you, you seem to be having great fun with it, and, and rightly so. Um, you've talked about maybe doing some other work in in the future. Are you allowed to discuss that, or is that private? Of course, we can discuss it. Yeah, we're definitely. Uh, we felt that this was a stepping stone. That was something that we've always, you know, we, we've we've. I wouldn't say always, but in the last so many years, we've definitely had. Uh, great uh, times writing together and uh, th- th- we definitely have a passion for writing and this is a stepping stone and we, we know that this is, you know, our first and uh, our expectations are very much down to earth on, on you know, whatever success we have with this, but really we're, we're, we're looking at it to be at the start of writing a story. I, I'm not going to say novel because that's a tall order. A novel is a high level of writing, as is uh, any other kind of book. Um, but we, for now, we're definitely writing a story. And it's based pretty much on much of the chat that we're having here growing up. And um, it's about Dublin. It's about emigration. So and we're looking forward to that a lot. Um, we've started the process. The process is basically, obviously, a cross between research and free writing. And so we're bouncing off each other right now on, on the uh, concepts and the ideas. And uh, we've moved on to it pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a story and it's going to be about uh, basically a family in, in, in Dublin. And as I said, you know, just different kinds of teams from, you know, um, grow, growing up, uh, crime, uh, emigration, deceit, you name it. It's all in there. Fun, innocence, it's all in there. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, um, we can produce something by uh, by the end of the year, by the end of next year. Fantastic. Guys, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. I'd like to finish up with, if you don't mind, if you would read one of the poems. Yeah. Would you like um, to do that, actually, Joe? Or I have Mick? one picked out, and I think Mick has one. Uh, Mick, you could probably pick one of yours, and then I'll finish off okay, with, with my one. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, um, I'll read a small poem here, Kevin, um, that Brilliant. is in memory of a neighbour of ours, um, more, more so mine, because Joe's been away quite a few years, but a neighbour of myself and Anne's who passed away recently. And um, so I'll read that out for you now. It's called Scenes from a Balcony. There's nothing much going on these days as I sit outside with a coffee. 
I find it easy to count the traffic going up and down below my balcony. Across the way, a couple converse. I know them to see and can hear every word they say. You see, I can lip read now. There's not much happening in my town. I'd forgotten what life was like three months ago, never mind three years ago. These days are weird. There's nothing much happening in my town. I glance towards the sky and see a trail of smoke. It's a plane. I thought they were obsolete, and yet what an achievement. I wonder where it's going. There's movement beneath me again. I see a hearse leaving the street and can hear people sobbing. No need to lip read. I knew the 95-year-old lady well. Rest in peace. Wow, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The, the, the last and poem in, in all of the work is called Dream On. And so we write from our balcony and Lanai as we watch and listen, sending our cry. From Ring's End to Naples, our minds meet, never, never forgetting dear Penrose Street. While Google takes over, or so it seems, we'll continue to chase our hopes and dreams. And when that dream arrives for us to face, will it be a dream come true? Let's hope it's full of grace. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, guys. Guys, I really enjoyed having you on. Congratulations on all your success. Um, Thanks, and we'll Kevin. be in touch soon. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you.